been a dream of mine since I can remember. So to be finally selected for a Solheim team is um, an amazing feeling and kind of makes all the hard work worth it. Ryder Cup picks, Solheim Cup picks. Oh my goodness, so many picks going on, it's hard to know where to start. But we'll try on this week's episode of the Bunkered Podcast in association with Callaway. Hello, thank you for tuning in. Michael McEwen here, as always, back in our lovely little studio for the first time in what feels like, well, it feels like weeks and weeks and weeks, quite honestly, but back in familiar surroundings, back in my seat, I feel good. I feel good about life. Bunkered editor Bryce Ritchie sitting opposite me wearing, I have to say, a very fetching t-shirt that has Tom Morris's name on it. Travis Matthew, I have, you know. Lovely. On tall Tom Morris collection is rather nice, I have to say. It certainly is. I quite like that. Paid for, by the way. I bought this. (laughs) Well covered. I know we get lots of freebies, and freebies are nice. Excuse me, what? Freebies are more than welcome. 50 High Craig Hall Road, Craig Hall Business Park, (laughs) if you want to send any more. But uh, no, I bought this. You know what? This is the first... As I was doing it, I was quite giddy handing over my PayPal details because this sounds terrible. I cannot remember the last time out with this top that I bought golf gear. We exclude balls. Balls are a given. We need to buy balls. And tees, everyone steals tees. Gloves, same deal. Gloves is an accessory. I bought gear in the same way that tees are yeah, gear. You can't tell me that tees and still, gloves are in separate categories. Yeah, it's still gear, but I wouldn't consider that I'm going out to buy golf gear. What did you buy? A glove. <laughs> That's like going to buy a new guitar and buying strings. So I, 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 I bought I bought a brand new glove in Royal Tunes Clubhouse. I think that's the last time. Then I think I bought the last one online, I think. All right. But that was the first time I bought actual golf stuff, like proper golf stuff, like a shirt or clothes or... I've not bought clubs for years. How to alienate the listeners. I know. But, <laughs> but you wait, know, wait, wait, what? What? But I'm just being honest. Yeah. So that's what I love about you, so the, the privilege is, is staring you in the face. <laughs> <laughs> or coming through your ears. So apart from spending money on golf stuff, how are you? What have you been up to? Anything of note? We're busy. Going to print today, tomorrow. Apart from that, I need to go to the range next week because i got a boys golf weekend next weekend. Remind me where that is. Spay Valley Spay and Valley. Granton on Spay. And nice. I have not played 18 holes this year. It is August the 23rd, ladies and gents. Because my glutes aren't firing. And they're now firing, so I'm going to the range next week. In order to activate them. In order to activate them at precisely 12 o'clock on Saturday at Grattman Bay. If you're there, come say hello. And if you're not, don't. (laughs) So that's Spay Spay Valley, Granton and Spay. I've played Spay Valley tons of times. I've played Boat of Garten. Granton and Spay, I haven't played, but only good things. Yes, I've never played it, so I'm excited. Somewhere new, if you somewhere new. The and is there anywhere anyone who's listening can shout me out social media? Anywhere we can go for a couple of refreshments in Aviemore on Saturday night? Because I know the Cairn is at the Cairn Gorm Hotel. Cairn Gorm Hotel is good. McDonald will have a bar. There's a bar somewhere on the main street. Oh, there's quite a few. There's the wink. Is it the Winking Owl? Winking Owl. Yeah, that's a kind of restaurant bar. Though it's not really. Would you go there? For have a you drink? been in there post dinner? That's no. all I'm saying. Really? Yep. Is it a bit jumpy? Well, well, I was there, there was. We had a stag do there many years ago. Lads. Yes. Right, well, we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, excuse the hoarseness, the croakiness of the voice, ladies and gents. Uh, I was at the football last night. 
got a little bit excited, shouted some stuff. It's fine, you don't need to worry about what I shouted. <laughs> if Borna would happen to be directed at your left back, <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, I'm still recovering from Budapest, so I have a little bit of a little bit of a croak on, as you can probably hear. Yeah, I think it makes me sound more interesting. Try milk. I can't have milk. I know it was a joke. Anyway, you, you, can, you can have milk. You just don't want to. Do you want to know about Budapest? Or are we just moving straight on? I like, like you've told me. Do people really want to hear about you going to baths and getting into a bar till five in the morning, listeners? Five in the morning. My our wife host was drinking because I got a text message at five, six minutes past five <laughs> in the morning. The bars are open all night. <laughs> so that was your. You know what you did in your weekend? You attacked alcohol yeah. in a very manly fashion. Yeah, came home broken and skint. Yeah, we've all done it. That was a American Pie themed bar that we were in. A place called, funnily enough, Stifler's, which sounds dreadful, but it was actually it was all right. It was good crack from what I can remember. And one of the last things I remember is not so much singing at karaoke as rapping. Rapping. I do, a, I do a phenomenal version of Will Smith's Freaking It. So Freaking It? Ah, uh, you've got to hear it. But not now. Not yeah, right now. No, no, let's 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 talk golf. Hence, again, the, the croakiness. But let's talk framework agreements. Oh, framework agreements. Frame, the framework agreement sounds like an album by... Craftwork. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Here's welcome on stage. Craftwork will be there in the entire album. Framework agreement. <laughs> yeah. Is that is that Craftwork? Did they do drum and bass? No. No. <laughs> I think the correct term for craftwork is is it electronic music. Oh right, okay. Like keyboards and stuff. Oh jeez. No. Synths. Yeah. Synths, yeah. yeah. So the framework agreement may be an album by Kraftwerk, we don't know, but it does have a place in golf at the moment in terms of this whole merger business. We call it the merger business. They call it the framework agreement. Basically, PGA Tour, PIF. They call it a unification. Do they? Yeah, did they I not thought, call it I a unification? That was boxing. Like a unification fight between <laughs> actually, I'd pay to see that. A unification <laughs> fight actually, between Jay Monaghan and Yasser. That would maybe I tell you what, my money would be on Yasser. All day long. Yeah. That that's a first round knockout without a doubt. Yeah. But yeah, we're talking about the PGA Tour, PIF, DP World Tours merger. And the reason we're talking about yes because Monaghan faced the press and said well, he addressed a bunch of stuff, but he basically said that he is certain, quote-unquote, that the framework agreement with PIF will be completed on time. First thing, did you know there was a deadline for this? Yeah, I knew there was a deadline. They said it has to be done by the end of the year. Yeah, January 1st, 2024. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. I had, had not a clue. Had to be done by the end of the year. And I read the other day that Yasser said he couldn't turn up to the uh, Senate hearing. <laughs> the Senate. Star Wars. Star Wars. Yeah. Star Wars. I just can't. No, I can't. Can't do that. Senate he government, a US government hearing, we'll call it. Yep. Because basically, he wasn't allowed to. Like his boss, who's the big boss of uh, Saudi MBS, Arabia, Mohammed bin Salman. I don't think he's called him. Ah, yes. No, yes, he is. Yasser doesn't call him. Well, no, no, he probably MBS. calls him. He probably calls him Your Excellency. Yeah, exactly. Like, Your Excellency. We Mohammed can call him MBS. Yeah, him. MBS, the boss, the boss, the bro man. He uh, he basically said, "You're not going to that because of secrets that we don't want to give out." So that is why, really, yeah, that's Jeez. why Yasser didn't turn up for that. Yeah, there was no basically there was no live representation there. So 
did think that was quite funny. Hmm. What I thought was quite strange is that Yasser basically said, yeah, I'm not going to go with that. But the PG tour went and it was warts and all and they get pounded for that. The behaviour of, sort of like, you know, the behaviour of the the two guys involved, it, would ju- it just, it, it was a, what, when you look back at that, what a weird, what a weird afternoon that was. Yeah, I just think Senate hearings are, s- <laughs> now you've planted Star Wars in my I know, you can't head. get away from it. Where, was, where did it take place, like Tatooine, Kansas or something <laughs> like that? But every time I, I think back on that, I just, I just feel like it was just politicians posturing on national TV or whatever uh-huh. it was. And then it's that right wing, yeah, grandstand. The right wing guy came out. Who's a, he? He's obviously a crackpot. Can't remember his name, but he's sent him back to the Dagobah system. <laughs> nice, ah, nice. <laughs> like it. Lovely. So where were we with this? Yeah, basically, Jay Monaghan is certain that this agreement is going to go through. That that they're going to give peace a chance. There's your Beatles reference for the week. Is it give peace a chance? All we're saying. Or is why John is, Lennon? Why is there a Beatles reference? Don't know. Anyhow. Jay Monaghan thinks it's going to happen. I'll be honest, I have my doubts. Where's your head I, at? I, I, do I have doubts? Probably. It's been, what, nearly three months since they announced yeah. the unification? I don't like unification. We need to come up with a framework agreement. <laughs> come up, we're back to framework. Track one is unification. Dig up our systems on the B-sides. Right. <laughs> They had made those that announcement, which was crazy, and we all know that was pretty a landmark moment in the game. And we're not aware that anything has happened since. And Monaghan went into hiding, or he took time off ill, whatever you wanted to call it. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt there. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah. But no, nothing has come of it yet. What I find quite interesting is that They've already all released their schedules for next year. Exactly. So I noticed that what I did find interesting was that the designated events this year... Signature event? Oh, this year designated next year signature. ...are mandatory. Yes. They are not in 2024. Mm -hmm. So that's just one season. And Liv has what? Liv's got, if I'm right in saying, Liv's got 14 events next year and they've actually planned out their seasons for 2025 and 26. Yeah, so I, have Liv released their schedule for next year? Yeah. I don't think they have. I think they've basically just they've, said that they're, they're going to they're be They're going there. to do, they're going to do this and they've not, I don't think it's been, here's our schedule and yeah. here's we need to go, but they've got plans for 2024, 2025 and 2026. And then a couple of weeks ago, or last week, DP World released their schedule, which I quite liked. We talked about, you know, decent setup. But you look at it and you think, where does Liv fit in? Mm-hmm. And that that is that to me, that's the that's the great area. That's the thing. Like, what are they going to work out in the next four or five months? Because that are or actually, yeah, three months. And that's what it comes back to: is that all the. <laughs> The people who, and I'm not taking this opinion as this is what it is, and that's what people are saying, but the the, 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 the anti-Live people were saying, well, this guy's basically bought golf and they're just going to, that to me looks like that, that's what this is becoming. 100%. They're going to sponsor. They're effectively becoming like a headline sponsor. Now, for men's professional golf. For men's golf. professional yeah. golf. So how they do that, how they work that in, whether Live just happens in its own time, mm-hmm. Live just exists over here, You've got DP World here, PGA Tour there, and then across all three or across two, which isn't live, 
you have PIF sponsored events yeah. which are worth a fortune, which I like. But then in the background, you, I mean, this is where it gets interesting. In the background, you think, well, what if FedEx think about this? Exactly. Why do FedEx? But they are investing in bio. Like this, this is Saudi a, Arabia. This is a pretty much imperfect example, but it's a bit like NASCAR suddenly having bottomless pits of cash and sponsoring all of motorsport, but continuing to run NASCAR. Yeah. And everyone going, well, how does all that work? It's it's really weird how it all fit together. What, what, what is it that PIF want? What do they want? They want an investment. They want to be involved in sport. At bottom line, they want to make money. It's an yeah. investment fund. So, so be, I, I think, it, but they sponsor loads of sports and they want a big play in golf. They're about to get, at the at, in the end of it, we think they're about to get effectively what they wanted right at the start. Bingo. They wanted to invest. They wanted to spend a lot of money. You know, FedEx, com- FedEx is a big company. They have put incredible amounts of money into the PGA Tour. Most of which has come from Saudi Arabia. Yeah. So that is where that, that's what they're doing. And I, I think we're not looking at, I'm jumping the gun, but I don't think we're looking at a live event or the guys all sharing tours. We're not, we're not looking at that. We're looking at sponsorship. Effectively. It's funny, isn't it? Because essentially, if you rewind, then PIF have gone to PGA Tour and said, we'd like to invest in you. We'd like you to be part of our new venture and we'll invest money. And PGA Tour went, nah, you're fine. We'll do it alone. Then yeah. tried to do it, go it alone and went, oh, well, we can't no, afford this. We can't do it. Yeah. Any chance we can team back up? So because it's funny, they, like they, Jay Monaghan's comments, <laughs> I'll read you some of this and see if it makes any sense. Once you get to this position, it's pretty standard that there isn't going to be a lot that you're going to be able to share. We continue to reinforce the fact that the framework agreement, high craft work, is the path that we're on. And when we're able to share more information, we will. They also understand it's our job to put forward the best possible construct with PIF for the future. We're going to take that back to our board. Ultimately, they're going to decide whether we're going to move forward with it. That's a process they're getting more comfortable with. Now they understand it. I'm sorry, that just sounds like management speak, Jay. Yeah, but that, like that. And, and it's very interesting is that the, the PGA Tour's decision makers, the players of Morsey, Tiger Woods has joined that board. Tiger Woods apparently was very influential in the letter that they wrote to Jay Monaghan. I'm not convinced that it came across that Tiger was a huge fan of what Jay had done Mm -hmm. or the way he'd behaved. So Tiger's influence is there. So whether these players will turn around and say, actually, no, we don't want that. That could happen. The players have the power here. PG Tour will not make this decision on its own. The big wigs, we'd call them the Blazers at the top and the PG Tour chain. I don't think they'll call this. Mm -hmm. They will call this in collaboration with the players. So the players will get what they want. It's interesting. Last week, look at, Look at John Ram talking about he wants an off-season. You know, there's a guy who's he's only... Forget this. John Ram's only been on tour for a few years. He's yeah. not. He's, this guy's not been on tour for 15 years. This isn't, this isn't an Ernie Els. Remember, he was at DP World trying to... He's been there for seven years, yeah, John Ram. It's not That's a huge amount of time dictating yeah. that he wants... Actually, now, I want an off-season. Yeah. You know, a, lot not, a lot of player power and a lot of weight being power. flung around. Yes. You even see, you know, John Ram talking about. I think the tour needs to come down and these fans in the crowd that are heckling because they're placing bets. It's like, all right, at what point is everyone just going to stop complaining about shit and just get, get on, on with, with it? it? Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, 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 very good point. And I, I just wonder that Piff's not going to be decided by Jay, and he's effectively said that. Mm-hmm. So, very interesting to see what happens. But to go back to the first question, you still think it's going to happen on time? I think it will, because Yasser will push for investment. This is what he wants. He wants mainstream acceptance across the world for Aramco, for their brands. That's why they're doing this. Legitimacy. Legitimacy. It doesn't... 
it doesn't make sense for them to shoot all the way and skirm in a couple of points and then exit the building with nothing no. and then carry on with Liv. Now, I think Liv will work for itself for a, for a while, but it's effectively calling costing them a lot of money. And if it's billions and it adds up and it's not got the audience that they originally wanted and it's not got the sponsors and everything, then effectively there's a what's the point. Yep. But the point might be worth it if they have a big, big play on the PGA Tour and the DP World. That's worth it. Correct. I am 50-50 as to whether or not this will happen on time. I think it will happen, but January the 1st, 2024, that is not many months away now, so I am sceptical. Something that will be happening before then, ooh, look at that for a link, is the Ryder Cup. And we now know the names of the first six Americans who will be heading to Marco Simone. And that's not the last terrible Italian accent I'll do in this show between now and the match. For the 44th edition of the Ryder Cup, Bryce, 44 I have editions. to say, I did not know that. And now you do. So the first six men in... Qualification, I should add, ended at the BMW Championship. The first six players, Bryce, how many can you name? Well, I can pretty much name them all. Brilliant, because my website's not loading. Yeah, oh, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> so no surprise, Scotty Scheffler at the top. Second in, I mean, I know he won a, won a major championship and so on, but Wyndham Clark, number two. That's a bit of a surprise. Brian Harmon, number three. Cantley four, Max Homer five, Xander Schofley sixth. So and that's the six that are in. The mother there of all the mother of all storms is potentially the next was it next five, six, I think is really interesting. Because seventh as we talked about a few weeks ago, a few weeks ago, Kepka was in, but because he's playing on live, he's not playing PG two events, he's not getting the ranking points. The last ranking event he played would have been the Open, is that the right? Open, yeah. Right, okay. So Kepka's been nudged. He's seventh. Then it's Jordan Spieth. Then it's Cameron Young. Then it's Colin Morikawa, Keegan Bradley, and Sam Burns. That's the twelve. We talked about this last week. This is the, they usually go for the next in line. Ah, to a certain ah, extent. Ah, I'm not I, saying always. I tell you what, I thought that too, and then I looked. Only three of the sixteen occasions that the that they've had picks, the US had picks in the Ryder Cup, have they chosen the not, next man? I don't necessarily mean I know what you're saying, and you're right. Not necessarily next in line, but they don't go much further. Ah, yeah, yeah. I think the only time they really did that was Fred Couples in like ninety three, was it ninety five? I think he was thirty second on the list. How Let, many men did see, he jump past? Let's see if they did that, if they do that this year. If that they do that this year, it's Andrew Putnam that'll get in. Oh, brilliant. I mean, he's got a strong pedigree, Andrew. He 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 could bring a lot to the Just team. Just carefully, might get picked. <laughs> so if you if you are if you are Zach Johnson and you get the same amount of hair, oh, if you are Zach oh. Johnson, who are your are you what what do you want to do with this? Do you want to go? Do you want to know my picks? Do you want to know what, what do you want to do? This? Well, I could tell you my six because I'm really clear, and you tell me if they match yours, uh, okay. yes or no. So I've got Jordan Spieth. Okay. Right, I've got him. Cam Young. Right, I've got him. Morikawa. I've got him. Keegan. I don't have him. He don't have Keegan Bradley. However, okay. I'm picking, my picks are who I think he will pick. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I'm going with, I don't necessarily think these are the six guys I would choose. Yeah, yeah, right. That's okay. who I suspect he'll go with. Okay. Uh, my next one's Ricky. Yep. And last, 
Justin Thomas. Right. Have you got him? No. So we've got four out of six that were agreed on. Spieth, Young, Morikawa, Fowler. I've gone the other two, Bradley and Thomas. So who are yours? So I, I think he will pick Kepka. You, th- you do think he will? 100% he will pick Kepka. I think if he doesn't pick Kepka, that is the mother of all shitstorms that they don't <laughs> need. And bear in mind, there is a bit of a, a rise in pro Kepka in the social media world for him to be picked. And to be honest, the guy is seventh in the standings. Exactly. He's a major champion. Hardly any event counting events. Now, for the record, I would pick him. If it was my choice, I would pick Kepka. But the reason I say I don't think he will, and I wrote about this on the website this week. So if you want to go and check out all my thoughts on this, then bunker.co.uk is the place. But it's just because of a lot of what Zach Johnson has said about live. You think back to May and he was saying, you know, he thought it was premature and it's not even a discussion item, irresponsible to talk about live golfers. He was very dismissive of live back then. Live was a different place back then. And even more recently, I, I, I was there at the Open after his second round and again, didn't seem that clued up on Liv, didn't really seem to know even where to watch I it. I mean, he, he said he said he's not watched it and, you know, I've not been and, and you think, well, that's a bit of a dereliction of duty. You should of be doing that. Of course it is. Because he knows he can pick them. Yeah. So he's got, I mean, also he won the PGA, that's a PGA of America event. That's who runs their Ryder Cup side. And yet so, there is precedent for reigning PGA champs not getting in. Yeah. Remember the last Ryder Cup? Mm-hmm. The reigning PGA champ, Phil Mickelson, he didn't play. Now, he was there as a vice-captain, but he yeah. didn't play. John Daly won the PGA yeah, in 91, I, I, I didn't think, get in. I think, oh, John Daly's, I think John Daly's different. I think that's a bit of it. Regardless of what you think, a lot of players that didn't like John Daly and didn't like his behaviour, and I think that was a bit of the world was also a different place then. It wasn't It wasn't accommodating to someone like Daly, so to yeah. speak. But I do think Kepka's a different, a different story. I will be stunned if he doesn't pick Brooks Kepka. The way, the way I see it with Kepka is that, and I wrote this, you know, you can look at all the little bits of data in isolation, but if you view him in a broader context, like I think you should, then he finished seventh in qualifying in spite of playing on live. Won the PGA and nearly the Masters. Nearly won the Masters. In spite of playing on live. He's the world number 13 in spite of playing on live. If you take everything that he could bring to that team, Bear in mind his record is, hard. Is, is okay, but he's never lost a singles in three appearances. It's hard to ignore him. Well, if you write it all down and you take his name off it and substitute in Spieth or Fowler, there's no discussion. No. They're on the plane. Yeah. So it then comes down to basically a, a referendum on do we like live or not? And I'm not sure Zach Johnson should get into that, no, I, but I don't trust him not but to. But then we're saying that and then look at the state of the European team. Look mm-hmm. at look at what look at what they've done with their live players. You know, but at least it's cut and dried. Do you I know, know what I mean. But I, I know that, but it's like there's there's certain contracts and agreements in place on one side, and the other side haven't really sorted it. But they're still going down that contract side. It's a total mess. It is a total. I mess. would pick them. I, I I wouldn't want any European player. I'd put it this way: I'll take any other player they fit in his place. Yeah. If you're but, a European, you're glad he's not playing. That guy is a baller, and he's popular. He's not going to be intimidated by Italian crowds. Not a chance. <laughs> so, so who's your other pick? Uh, Sam Burns. Sam Burns, really? I think he's 12th. He's, he's 12th. So if you pick the first 12, he's there. I think he's had a good season. I don't think he is... I don't think he's a world beater, but I think he'll struggle to not pick him. Funnily enough, he's also this, right? He's the reigning... I know the WGCs are gone, but he's the reigning match play champion. 
and he beat Cam Young in the final earlier this year. That has to count for something. He's got match play chops. That 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 can't count for absolutely nothing. He's just inside the top thirty in the FedEx, inside top twenty five world rankings. Ah, so he's, he's playing he's, this week at the yeah, Tour Championship. He's, he's, he's in. Yeah, he's he's won five times on tour. You, you, you know, I, I do think it's quite difficult to dismiss somebody like that. And this is where I, I cannot remember a time when we have debated that much about Ryder Spot Cup on. picks. This Certainly is, in America. And this is, I remember when they announced that there was going to be six picks, and they're both getting six picks. I remember that being, that's going to be a shitstorm. We've had European scenes where, you know, remember Thomas Bjorn? We've had big fallouts. Players oh, have Bjorn apologize. Yeah, all sorts mm. of stuff where peers have been, and they're only picking two or three guys. It's quite hard. When it's two or three people, you're kind of giving the captain a bit of a benefit of the doubt because he's only got two or three to pick from, and sometimes it was two. Mm. Well, I've only got two guys. It's my choice. That's why they're called wild cards. Six is half a team. Yep. And that, that's, that is a lot that's of guys in. That's a lot in, of and a couple of people's And hands. then a lot of guys out, yep. some guys in, some guys out. Then your personality, and then it makes it easier when there's six guys if someone says he does not get on with those two players, by the way. Bingo. Does not go on. Hello, Patrick Reed. I know. See you later. And that, that that just makes it, you know, he's a 12 top 25s, Sam Burns. You know, it, he's, his stats are pretty impressive as well. And we'll get to that about Cam Young. But he's only played once. I mean, he played Junior Ryder Cup and Palmer Cup and so on. But he's only played once in a professional sense for the US in a team event. That was the President's Cup last year. Not a great record. Didn't win a match. Lost three and picked up two half points. So he contributed one point out of a possible five. Yeah. But, as I say, his match play record in the match play, the WGC, is pretty good. I don't dislike it. He was I, great that week. Oh, unreal. unreal. He was great that week. So, I, I that think was a while ago. He's potentially a good partner for a bunch of guys as well. So, yeah, I'm not against it. But um, if it comes down to a straight choice between Sam Burns and Justin Thomas, yeah. I'm certain he's picking Justin Thomas. And I think I think there's no doubt Spieth is in. His Ryder yeah. Cup record's great. Cam Young, I noticed that there's a, f- a few uh, folks stateside saying potentially Cam Young's not one of the picks. Runner-up in the match play to Burns? Yeah. You know, I'd have him. He's never won. He finished ninth in the standings, so you're having to, over, you're having to leapfrog him to get a bunch of guys. Yeah. It's been consistent, but... Yeah. There's no doubt he's, and he's also, he's, he's young. You know, he's not, he's only 26. Or yeah, like that. No, he's not. That's young for me. Cam Young's about 50. <laughs> he's got a touch of no, the Scottish Sheffler. He's not as old as Sheffler. And I don't think there's a, a, a doubt that Morikawa, yeah, he's uh, getting it's pretty hard to leave him out. I'm seeing Morikawa and Max Oma ruining my week. Yeah, I feel sorry for Keegan Bradley. I think he's had a bit of a mm-hmm. renaissance this, season, this summer and he's played some good stuff. But maybe it's just, That's he's too much. not quite, He's not quite set the world on fire as much. And I think Ricky Fowler, let's be honest, Fowler's playing the best golf of his life. But his 13th in the standings, yeah. that's the incredible bit for me. I thought, genuinely, he was about 7th or 8th. When did those standings start? Just over a year ago, I believe yes. it was. I mean, he's come to form a bit later in the in the play, but I, yeah. I don't think there's... I'll be stunned if he doesn't pick Ricky. He's popular. Oh, yeah. You'll play with anyone. His record in the match ain't yeah. great, but he's he brings different energy, doesn't he? So this brings us to... Denny sort of, McCarthy. Yeah. <laughs> now, I, how the hell is Denny McCarthy 14th? Fuck knows. <laughs> I don't know. How is he ahead of, for know. example, Lucas Glover, who's won twice in the last but, four weeks? But here we've got... What if Lucas Glover wins again? 
He's in. He has to be picked. And that's if he wins again. I'm moment no, of all the people I, I've not picked him. You've not picked yep. him. So many people I've, I've I've spoken to stateside have not picked him. I've seen people on social not picking him. The guys and uh, he's also in the form of his life at the right time. But then he would come in as a rookie, would he not? Yes. Has he yes. played Ryder Cup before? No, he has I don't not. Think no. he has. He's a rookie. But we're going to argue about rookies because rookies effective in Ryder Cup means nothing now because they tend to do very well. But the big story is, is he picking Justin Thomas? I think he is. And that's based purely on the vibes I got from him. Again, that, that same, I wasn't a, a presser. It was in the mix zone at Hoylake on the Friday afternoon. He, he shared a house with Justin Thomas at the Open. Yeah. They were roomies. They're best pals. And he also said something then that it sounded to me like basically an admission, I am picking him, but I'm just not going to say it out loud like right now when he said that experience counts for so much. So here we go. If he, if he doesn't pick Justin Thomas, Justin Thomas has played some of the worst golf of his professional career this summer. Mm-hmm. Shocking. I wouldn't say high bar though. By the way, wouldn't say he's turned clear. a corner. Wouldn't no. say he's turned a corner, but he's played some pretty poor golf. He's cons- had a couple of weeks off as well, considering what he did last year. I'm not that impressed at all. And he's talked about it. You know, he's had lots of um, issues and so on and so forth. And, he, he, and he's he's been open about that. If he picks Thomas and doesn't pick Bryson, uh, Bryson, oh, didn't even mention him. Doesn't pick Brooks. That's a shitstorm. Massive. That's so he a may shitstorm. pick both. I don't think it's really hard to pick Thomas and not pick Kepka. That you're right. Shitstorm's the word. But I tell you, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, there's a combo straight away where form is completely irrelevant. They'll vibe off each other and potentially play some really good golf. And it's not like Justin Thomas needs to play five his record, sessions. His record's good. And, you know, he's popular. They were the ones that were chugging, you know. Oh, chugging, Michael. God. Chugging. When was the last time you chugged a beer? Never. Come on. No, don't do that. That's immature. So. I don't know. can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're agreed, basically, on four out of six. And looking at the list, for me, it's six players out of maybe eight or nine. It's the best six from nine. The further down the list you go, you're getting to Kurt Katayama, Russell Henley, Zalatoris is not even fit to play, but still managed to finish 19th. Then you've got Harris English, Tony Finau, Chris Kirk, Sahith Gala. You're not going to these guys. Nah. Not a chance. So no, it's, it's, it's the best chance. six from nine, potentially. Yeah. Eight, maybe. So decisions to be made. We'll find out next week when Zach announces the identities of his picks. So that's the... I can't call them Yankee Doodles, can I? That's, no. <laughs> that's not polite. That's the Americans. What about the Euros? Obviously, we don't know the identities of those who are in because nobody's locked in yet, with the exception of three that can't be played out. Rory, Ram and Hovland are all guaranteed to play. The next three places are up for grabs. So it's crunch time, as they might say. Bob McIntyre's the really interesting one here, not just because he's a fellow Scott Sharp, but because he is currently in the team as it stands, courtesy of his place on the European points list. And he's playing this week with Luke Donald in the opening two rounds of the Czech Masters. Is that right? Yeah, uh, interesting because that is not, that's not a, oh, that's a surprise. <laughs> How did that happen? That the is, random generator has worked its magic yet again. I do think that is quite a, a, an interesting thing, but what a brutal amount of pressure that puts on Bob. Hey, if you can't bring it this week. And if you can't handle that pressure playing with 
the Ryder Cup captain, your boss, to prove to him that if you get knocked out of the standings, you still deserve to be picked. It's uh, an unbelievable amount of pressure sitting mm. on Bob's shoulders this week, which has happened before, by the way. Some players have done that in the past, so it's not it's not uncommon. But you know, we're not we're we're not siding with Bob because we're Scots. But this nope. is an interesting one because. We had this before with Russell Knox when we were championing the cause for Russell Knox to be involved and Russell decided, yeah, yeah, decided not to play a counting event. That's right. I forgot for about that. For some very strange reason, he decided <sighs> not to play a counting event. If memory serves, it's because he felt, I don't want to speak on his behalf, but I think it's because he felt that he had done enough and it's like, well, what more do you need to see from that one event? Yeah, that to me was insane. And it proved to be a huge issue. He wasn't picked. And it's hard to argue. Why would you pick somebody that's not all in? All in. Fighting tooth and nail to be in that I might be doing him a disservice there, by the way, just to qualify that. But that's my memory of it. There wasn't any other personal thing that got in the way. I do believe he... The the rumour was that he felt he'd he'd done enough. But Mm. that's kind of... I mean, I like Russell, but that was kind of arrogant at the time and it didn't go down well. Mm. We all know that. Bob's... Straight in amongst it, it'll be fascinating to see how he gets on. If he does, if he plays really well, I think if Bob plays really well this week, and I'm talking like top ten, top fifteen, I think it'll be hard to to not pick him. He's well, he might not need to, but the worst yeah, he get is a pick. That's it. Yeah. yeah, but he's had he's had. I mean, Scottish Open was unbelievable. Mm. Some of the golf he played was just sensational. But then he was beaten by someone who was better. You talk about pressure, and I don't think it gets much more than that. I mean, the conditions were brutal. All the pressure of being a home favourite. To hit that shot, I I, I know it's simplistic to reduce it to one shot, but it matters because that's when competition can be won or lost. It's a shot under pressure. Exactly. He knows what he he knew what was on the line. And that was impressive. And Bob's got the win at Marco Simone under his belt, which is pretty awesome. There's only ever going to be one guy that's got that at the moment. That's yeah. going to be Bob. Yep. He's got a lot of factors in his favour. And I just wonder if this week, if this is a case of Luke Donald putting an arm around him and saying, don't worry, you're in. Either way, you're Could in. Also, just relax and play some Luke Donald golf. is his own man. There's no sentiment when it comes to Ryder Cup. You make hard decisions. Mm-hmm. Luke Donald might be throwing him under the bus here. You might be an arm round him as well, but it might be, by the way, see, Show if you, me something. see if you play poorly and miss this cut by a mile, I'll be there watching that. I will know. Because Luke Donald might have ideas. On the flip side of that, I don't think Luke Donald has an embarrassment of riches. Spot on. And yep. I think Bob, I don't think he'll find, if you look down the list, I don't think he'll find that much that I don't think there's too many guys that have got a better case. So this than is on Bob. the European points list yeah. specifically. Three from that, three from the worlds. Bob is third behind McElroy and Ram, who are in, and then you've got what Yannick Paul fourth, fifth Adrian Moronk, Tommy Fleetwood in sixth, Perez, Rasmus Hoygaard, Adrian Ategi. Like Ategi is going to go with all the live noise going on. Then you're down to tenth for Shane Lowry. When it comes to qualifying off that list. I really fancy Bob's chances. Bear in mind, yeah. he's got actually quite a substantial gap between him and Yannick Paul in fourth. Yeah. So but all the pressure's on Yannick Paul, I would say, to to step up and overtake him. Yeah, and on the on the world points, it's Hovland, who I think you said has, is in already, and Hatton and Fleetwood. So, In fact, I'm not even saying this, sorry. Yannick Paul, is he not the one that skipped an event? Because he didn't want to burn out. There was he was the one there was a bit of controversy controversy over last week. Right. So that if I'm Ru- if I'm Russell Knox, 
I'm Russell Knox. I'm wondering why I didn't just play that event. If I'm Luke Donald, I'm wondering well, yeah. what's going on in that boy's head. So the guy's not doing everything he can to persuade so, me. So here's the, the, the Hatton's in in the the world list and Fleetwood's in the world list. So the guys who are sitting in the in the periphery of everything is Fitzpatrick, Straka, Shane Lowry, Justin Rose. None of whom can nudge Bob out of the spaces of with the European points yeah, list. With the exception of yeah. Lowry, but he's so far back it'd be almost. And the other guys are, are Yannick Paul and Victor Perez, and potentially, depends how things go, Rasmus Hogarth, Hogard. So, whilst he doesn't have an embarrassment, Richie's one or two are going to be quite upset, and that's a tough call. So, I, I, we talk about Johnson's got some tough calls, and he does, but you can all. I, I'm not saying you can't. Unjustified. You can justify some of Johnson's mm-hmm. calls, depending on where, where he goes. I think Donald's is a bit, it's not clear. And it's because the guys in the major championships, the big, big events, haven't actually stepped up. That's the, the way. That's the thing. That they, they're playing lower key events with the greatest of respect. And that makes Luke Donald's job a lot harder. Bear in mind, a while ago, Bob was flirting with going outside the top 100 in the, in the world rankings. He's yeah. now 60th. And uh, he's sixth on the race to Dubai. That's pretty bloody awesome. Yeah. Can you leave a guy like that out? I'm not sure you can, but like I say, you probably won't need to at this rate. What I do find interesting is the amount of love for Rasmus Hoygaard. And I, I like the boy too. I think he's a phenomenal player. But you're talking about effectively two mini order of merits here for qualifying where you have to be in the top three. Rasmus is eighth on one of those and 18th on the other. He's quite far back on both lists. Yeah, but the, he, I'm eighth... I bet he's eighth on the European. European. Yeah. yeah. So world rank that's because he's ninety second in the world rankings. Mm. So that's why he's also seventeenth on the race to Dubai. Which is pretty good. He's also a young boy, only you know he's why he's, do you think there's so much love and excitement for him and a lot of people I see clamoring for him to be one of the picks. Why do you think that is? I mean he's he's win in the was it Maiden Himmerland? That yeah. was the one with the big long playoff. Yeah, home soil win. That's that's an interesting one. That that effectively turned into match play. Yep. You know, and he ground that guy down. He that was a long watch. I think what was a six extra holes? Something like that. That that was a long watch. I thought he was pretty impressive. And you face adversity in a playoff, you face immense pressure. And he, he handled it really well. He's won four times on tour. The guy can play. The guy can play golf. He's a he's a winner, and I know there were some people saying pick both of them, but that gets a bit that's ridiculous. ridiculous. So the one for me that's really interesting and who's playing with Francesco Molinari, one of the vice captains this week, is Ludwig Aberg. What do you think of him? No, I I, I think that's a stretch. I'll be honest, he's, he's a talented boy, but really he has next to no experience. He's never really. Sat at golf's top table to a certain extent. You argue that with Bob. I'm not saying it's a him or a Bob. Look at Bob. Bob's played at the top. His experience has been, you know, had some occasions at the Masters. He's had, he's had uh, fleeting moments in the Open and he's been brilliant. You, you know that Bob can step up to that level at times. We don't mm. know anything about this boy at the top table. We know everything about his amateur game. We know he's a baller. There's guys talking about his stats compared to, you know, what somebody said, something like he's inside the top 20 in strokes gained or something like that from his stats. They said, excuse me, not playing at the same level. There's the pressure that he's playing under is not the same. The golf courses he's playing is not the same. He's not playing in an event that's worth $20 million. Aberg? Yeah. That's all he's playing and He's playing exclusively in the PGA Tour. He's playing against all the best players Lucas. in the world. Look, Ludwig Aberg. 
How long for? He's been there for about three, four months, but he's yeah. played a lot of big events. Three, three four cuts. months. Three, I, think I the can't po- think the, the of a guy is, that's is played at, three, four months. Yeah, for me, the problem is not where he's playing. I think he's playing at very much the highest level. The problem is there's not a big enough body of evidence to, to say absolutely who should be in. That guy's done, I mean, with the greatest of respect, he's done nothing. However, he's made six cuts, which is impressive. He's straight out of college, whatever you want to say. He's not played a lot of events. Yeah, so he's missed one cut so far this year on the PGA Tour, the Scottish Open. Wyndham Championship, 14th. 3M Open, tied 64th, whatever. He was fourth at the John Deere Classic. Rocket Mortgage, Travellers Championship, Canadian Open, Valspar, Bay Hill, tied 24th, and Dubai Desert Classic. I'm impressed by all of that. I'm impressed by all of that. Are you picking him over Rasmus Hoygaard? That's where it gets harder. That's where it gets harder. The guy has done nothing. He is soaking wet at the top of of golf. The Ryder Cup is different. That would be, imagine you're Luke Donald and you write his name down in a bit of paper to be one of your picks. It's fucking mental. I'm sorry, but it is. There's no way he gets picked. I will be stunned oh, if he picks him. Do you fancy a wee side bet? No, because it's not going to happen. Right, put your money no. where your writers then. No, no, I'm not doing that. I, I, oh, it's not going to happen, but no, nah, that's what I'm I, doing. I, I do not, I, I do not think he's picking him. He's I, played seven professional um, events in the PGA what? Tour, and he walks into the Ryder Cup as a as a wild card. Not ruling it out at all for me because he's playing with Francesco Molinari this week. There's a reason that Bob's playing with Luke Donald. There's a reason that Francesco Molinari's playing with who he, who he's playing with. The boy is clearly of interest at the very least uh, absolutely of interest and, and in the conversation and it, would so be, it comes down to does he or and not and the Europeans when it comes to this the Euros usually always do the right things and that is what they, they always face up and go you know what what's the right thing to do the European side the backroom teams and the tours involvement they always get that right it'd be madness if they didn't look at him but I also think it'd be madness if they picked him however if he wins Slightly different story, but yes. he is hugely inexperienced. Massively inexperienced. Massively inexperienced. It would be a kick in the nuts to somebody like Hoygaard, for example, if he was picked over him. But then, it's the it's, we say it every Ryder Cup, see if you don't play well enough to be an automatic qualifier, you can't really that, complain too You can't too really loudly. complain. Look at Matt Wallace, the guy won three They're times. for a reason. He, 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 Matt, did Matt Wallace not three win times, three times in a including season? Including the last event. Uh-huh, and didn't get picked. Should have been picked, in my opinion. Fine, the score yeah. and the performance has vindicated the choosing others over him. I still think he should have been picked. Yeah. But that is, that's the interesting one. Aberg, Obery, Oberg. I've, I've actually given up trying to pronounce it properly because I'm, I'm never going to get it. We should really talk more about the, the Euros team, but listen, we'll, we'll do that in the next episode. Before we go to the break, I wanted to do this last week when we had Ian Wisdom on the pod. Brilliant guest, by the way. I thought he was great, and thank you for all your feedback on him. But we just ran out of time, so I'm making time this week because this is a great quiz. This might be the best quiz I have ever this produced. Is, this is make Bryce look stupid No, quiz. no, 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 no. I think this is going to make you look moderately smart because I back you on it. So the question is this. There have been 12 players since World War II to have won a men's major whose surname begins with W. Oh, for Christ. Woosnam is one. Who are the other 11? 12 players. Woosnam's one. Who are the other 11? So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you some time to think about it. We'll come to those answers 
after the break when we'll be talking all things Solheim Cup. Do not go anywhere. All golfers can agree, hitting it far feels great. But does it feel great? A first in forging has created irons that have never felt better. Paradigm was precisely constructed with the first ever AI-designed forged 455 face cup and an all-new speed frame to enhance speed and feel, earning 15 out of 15 stars from the Golf Digest hot list. This is the new Paradigm in Performance from Callaway. Protect your golfing equipment with insurance that fits to a tee. At the Insurance Emporium, you can choose the plan to suit you on and off the course. Get up to 30% discounts, including a special 5% discount when you use the promo code BUNK. For more details and to get started on your quote, visit us at theinsuranceemporium.co.uk or give us a call on 03300 the promo code cannot be used in conjunction with any other promo code. Offer ends 31st of December 2023. See website FAQs for details. Welcome back. Part two of this week's Bunkered podcast in association with Callaway, Michael and Bryce here. Bryce, we're going to come back to the quiz that I sent you just before the break a in a little while because I can see you're scribbling some names down still. So that's fine. I'll let you crack on with that. Is that is that normal frown lines that you've it's got? Not, I added an extra couple there with the question. Not, it's, uh, it's not going well. All right, okay. Listen, it's it's a tough question, and I'll be fair to you. You've got 11. I would set level par at around about maybe six, six or work? seven. We are going to be in JT form then. <laughs> Listen, I have faith in you. You, you, you know more than you even realise you know your big font of knowledge that you are but look as i say we'll come back to that first let's let's talk a little bit about the solheim cup we spoke plenty about the Ryder cup in part one let's look at the solheim coming up at fincha cortesine first time in the history of the match that it's been in spain have you been to fincha no but one of our travel correspondents has and you'll find about he got on in the latest issue. No, because that's a relatively new venue. It is, isn't it? Um, I'm sure when and we I'm, had an Andalusia golf guide for like one year, about 2007. might have written about it, I'm not sure. Yeah, I yeah. think we did. But I'm, I'm stunned that it's the first time it's gone to Spain. Yeah. You know, and it's funny that like Spanish golf has really, it's not got what it's wanted in the last 15 years because Spain, remember Spain used to have five, six events a year mm. in the European Tour. I think that's been cut back. It was like the hub of the flagship event, you know, Volvo Masters at the end of the season. That was that was fantastic for that. They've wanted other Ryder Cups and not got them. Yeah, it's pretty tough. And I think there is a there is a big investment in Spanish golf at grassroots level for their players. They spend a lot of money boosting those players, and it, and it's working. So I was I was would have found it. That was the first time we saw Hink Cup. I thought that can't. Somebody's made a huge mistake there. That can't be right. But it is. <laughs> So, no, I think it's going to be very good. I, I, I've been to quite a few Solheims now. I always, I'm going to say something that I don't, I hope I don't offend the Ryder Cup when I say this, but I kind of prefer the Solheim on some levels because there tends to be a bit more needle. Yeah, I, l- listen, I was going to say they dislike each other more than, than the Ryder Cup players. The mm-hmm. Ryder Cup guys are all quite friendly. Mm-hmm. Solheim Cup's not like that. There's been some Solheim Cups recently where if that was men, there might be fisticuffs. <laughs> some pretty, a, a genuinely quite, some quite distasteful moments. Yep. And from a media perspective, that's fantastic. 100%. We like that. 
But there is a genuine uh, needle. There's been some superb Solheims, and that is what the ladies' game needs. I think it's a really good example of how good the ladies' game is because it's it's some of the best players. There's obviously is not that Asian element that's rife on the LPGA Tour. They're really successful. That's not in the Solheim Cup, obviously, but it's what we've got. It's got a really strong competitive edge, and from a European perspective, I think with, with the success that Katrina Matthews had building that backbone, they've gone down the European route of uh, Ryder Cup style where they've got a really strong understanding of what it takes to win the Solheim Cup. And I think Suzanne will tap into that. And I think they're obviously not favourites. Oh, it's funny you say that. It is funny you say that because I've actually looked at the team that she's got relative to the American team that's still to be finalised as we record. So next week... They're going to announce the the picks that Stacey Lewis, the US captain, youngest captain in Solheim Cup history, 38 years old. Which I think is a good thing. It's good, yeah. yeah. It's a good Nothing thing. Nothing against that. But actually, look at the, the European team and l- let's come to them. I mean, I think we've got quite a... We, we've got quite a strong team. Celine Boutier is first in there, obviously, just off the back of winning a major and then the, the Women's Scottish Open. Maya Stark, really exciting debutant. Charlie Hull... <laughs> What more is there to say about Charlie and, and the Solheim? Leona Maguire, who I think is phenomenal, a bit unlucky not to win a major this year. Georgia Hall, Lynn Grant, Carlotta Saganda's the, the big home favourite. And Anna Nordquist brings all the experience as well. So I look at us on paper and I'm going, you know what, that that's a really strong foundation. So I th- you're probably right. The Americans are more likely than not still favourites. Just... But it's not yeah. as stark as no. it's not as Maya stark as it has been in, in previous years. Yeah, pre- you know the, we'll remember the times we saw him cups were pretty distant and they mm. were getting a tanking, but that's not the case anymore. And then Suzanne Peterson, who I think is a really exciting captain. Nice to see her back in the game as well. I spent some time with Suzanne at Dundonald for our upcoming edition of the Mag, and it's funny she's been away from the game now since holding that putt at Glen Eagles in twenty nineteen. Yes, she was a vice-captain to Katrina two years ago. Yes, she's played a handful of events, but she's been largely absent. It's good to see her back because Suzanne just has a bit of presence. She's got a bit of aura. She's got an incredible CV. She's got self-confidence. Yes, and in abundance. And it's interesting you say this, but I think she's got self-confidence. She can handle an interview. And that's what I find very interesting about Harrington's captaincy is important. Anyone that says the captain isn't really important is what the players do is not aware mm. of what happens because she's got self confidence in an interview. If, if I was watching the Solheim stuff on uh, Sky that they did with Sarah Stark when they're announcing the captains, I thought it, that the the picks and I thought it was really good. Thought the way they did that, it was great to put ladies golf on that pedestal, and that's what Sky should be doing. And they did do it, and it's worth it because they'll be broadcasting the the three days. Superb. I thought she's got a really strong personality. She holds her own. Harrington, I think in the lead up to the Ryder Cup, that he captained, I don't think he had that. He didn't have a self-assured sort of, I know what I'm doing. I thought he looked a bit nervous. And then Harrington that you've got now is not the same guy. The Harrington before the Ryder Cup, before he was captain, was the Harrington, Harrington we all know. The Harrington after the Ryder Cup... Where was that confidence two years ago? But it wasn't yeah. like that when he was at the when he was at the actual Ryder Cup. He looked nervous. So I hope the positivity she's got right now, she takes that into into Finca and 
I think the, the players will feed off that. 100%. So her four picks, Madeline Sagstrom, who's been there before, Caroline Headwall, had a bit of a quiet year. Yeah. It's probably the surprise pick. I would think so. Yeah. But her, her Solheim record speaks for itself. Going 5-0, and oh, when was it? 15, I think it was. Unreal. She She's a big-time player, and the Solheim Cup is big-time. So I, I get that logic. Emily Pedersen, phenomenal swing. Huge hitter of the, the ball as well. And the... Well, she wasn't the fourth. She was the second pick on the night. But let's say for the purposes of this, the fourth pick is Scotland's own Gemma Drybra, who will be making her Solheim Cup debut. She is the seventh Scot to play in the Solheim Cup. It's coming just 10 months after she won her first LPGA title, the Toto Japan Classic, last November. I actually caught up with Gemma for a quick chat. Not long after the, the news came through, and here is that chat right now. Gemma Drybera, Solheim Cup star. That has a very, very nice ring to it, wouldn't you say so? Yes, it does. It's uh, been a dream of mine since I can remember. So to be finally selected for a Solheim team is um, an amazing feeling and kind of makes all the hard work worth it. Absolutely right. Yeah, on behalf of all of us here at the Bunker Podcast and indeed everyone listening, many congratulations. I'm sure that you are inundated at the moment with with messages coming in obviously the news is only 24 hours old for us but tell us when when did you find out or when did you get an inkling that you were likely to get the nod uh well suzanne had a small chat with me at uh, the evian a few weeks ago and um kind of said she was maybe confident that i might get picked so um you know it kind of relaxed me a bit which was nice and um you know you never know until you know exactly until it's officially picked but you know i had a good idea um, you know, a few weeks ago, but um, you know, obviously, finishing top ten at Evian after that kind of made me feel really good, and um, you know, it was just very exciting to to know that I even you know had a good chance of being picked. So, um, but now for it to be official, and it's nice that everyone knows now I can speak about it as well. So, um, yeah, it's very exciting. Have you allowed yourself to think ahead to the match yet? Have you considered the you know, what role you might play, who you're going to be up against. Have you looked at the golf course? Where are you at in terms of that kind of prep? Not much, to be honest. I, I've kind of thought uh, who I might like to play with. Um, and I guess the US team is getting picked after this week. So we'll kind of know exactly who we're going to be playing. But obviously, we've got a good idea. Um, I've kind of heard about the course a little bit. I know it's, it can, it's quite hilly, I think, in places. And uh, I heard it's just a great, fantastic course. So can't wait to get over there and um, you know I played in that area uh, kind of Malaga Marbella area quite a bit so I'm excited to get back there it's kind of you know lots of great golf courses there so I'm sure it'll be a fantastic week. I'm sure it will and fingers crossed that you you can all three-peat as I think the term goes. If you think back to 2019 though your experience with the Solheim was completely different you were there, weren't you, at Glen Eagles watching Suzanne, your captain, hold a winning putt in that incredible fashion that she did? Yes, I was there just as a spectator. I went with a few friends to watch um, for the weekend and it was just an incredible experience. You know, it made me even hungrier to, to get on the team myself. Um, you know, I was there on the just left of the 18 fairway when Suzanne hold that putt and it's honestly the best sporting moment I've ever witnessed. Uh, it was just an incredible feeling when she put that in and everyone went electric. Um, so yeah, just to be even part, a small part of that team would just mean so much. It's going to mean so much. So, um, just cannot wait. And she's obviously going to be my captain, which is kind of a very full circle moment. Um, <laughs> so yes, yeah, it feels very special. 
Yeah, I mean, take me back to that moment in 2019 when you're, as you say, the left side of the fairway. You experience those roars, you're part of those roars, you're probably contributing to them, knowing you, Gemma. But I mean, if you <laughs> did you give your did you allow yourself to think at that point, this could be me? What would that be like? How would I cope in that situation? Yeah, I did a little bit because I obviously at the time even knew a lot of the girls that were on the team. Um, so I kind of I was playing with them most weeks. So um, I kind of did think about, oh, what would it be like to be on the team myself? And um, I knew that, in, you know, hopefully in a few years, maybe I could be part of the team as well. So um, it did cross my mind, but you just can't get too ahead of yourself as well. <laughs> and then, of course, we had a pandemic. And I remember speaking to you during that when you were playing on the, the Rose Ladies series, winning indeed on the, the Rose Ladies series. I mean, I guess at that point, with the absolute greatest of respect to what Justin and, and Kate and the team have done there, which is a phenomenal setup, it really is. But I, with the greatest of respect to that, I mean, that dream that you had in 19 must have felt quite far away, given the wider circumstances. Yeah, it did, because uh, I actually, at the end of that year in 2019, I actually uh, missed Q school and didn't have a full card for the following year. And then obviously the pandemic hit and then it was even more uh, up in the air what tournaments I would get into, when we'd even play again. And obviously that those, those Rose events were just, a, you know, a godsend having those events to play and playing against them, you know, an amazing field as well. Uh, you know, two of my teammates were playing as well, Charlie and Georgia, so... Um, you know, looking back at that, it just gave me so much confidence to even, you know, winning tournaments uh, gives you so much confidence in your game and you can really take that. I felt like I took that to the LPGA once we started up again. And then, because even then after 2020, we didn't even, that year didn't really count for, for anything. So it was almost starting again in 2021 with the same status I had. So it, was, it felt a long way away, but it's just kind of been a gradual process since then and um, just seen my game improve since then, which has been great. There's obviously a lot of excitement here in Scotland and indeed the UK, but particularly here in Scotland that you can be the, the standard bearer for us now, take over the mantle a little bit from Katrina Matthew, who obviously had such an incredible record in the match. I'm curious, has Katrina reached out to you since the, the news came through? Have you spoken to her in the, the recent weeks and months as this has got closer? Yeah, she messaged me after uh, Evian to say congratulations and obviously you know, um, a nice time to be playing well. Um, so I'm definitely going to be speaking to her before the uh, before the Solheim getting our all our tips because she's obviously been a part of quite a few as a player and then also as a captain so she knows what it's all about and what it takes so I'll definitely be asking her for any uh, welcome advice What sort of questions will you have for her do you reckon? Is there anything in particular that stands out that you really want to get a handle on? I think it'd be more the mental side I think just dealing with the crowds and nerves cause it's obviously very different to Anything that we usually play, you know, usually we're just playing for ourselves and, um, you know, this is a much bigger bigger event. You know, you're playing for your, your Team Europe and um, your teammates as well. So I think that feeling will be different. And I got a small sense of that uh, in the Curtis Cup when I played in 2014. And I can imagine the Solheim's just going to be even, you know, 100 times that. So, um, and I thought, I know, I mean, I'm obviously much better player than when I was playing the Curtis Cup back then, but I remember the nerves then and I can imagine the Solheim will just be even more than that. Have you allowed yourself, dare I ask, to think ahead to the first tee and what that experience is going to be like? I mean, I don't know, are you the sort of person that suffers from first tee nerves and if so, how do you manage it, particularly on, on such a big scale like that? I think we all, I, I've always had a little bit of nerves in the first tee and I think it's a good thing mm -hmm. um, and I kind of relish that feeling, but I think, yeah, 
I have thought about the first tee at the Solheim and I think it will be obviously a very different experience than any other first tee I've been on. Um, so I I do think I'll have to prepare for that moment a bit more than you know a normal first tee. So um, yeah, it's definitely on my mind, that's for sure. What about your family? What does it mean to your nearest and dearest that you're going to be playing on this stage? Will you be taking a, an army of drivers out to Andalusia <laughs> to cheer you on? Yeah, my parents are coming, obviously, and then my aunt and uncle and cousin are coming. Uh, I think just one of the cousins actually coming with her boyfriend. So be a few drivers there. And then um, I think a few from the golf club as well. I think they already booked their flights in, in, in anticipation of the, <laughs> the announcement, um, hoping for they didn't have to cancel the flights. So thankfully they don't. Um, so be a lot of good support there, I think, which will be great. But yeah, it means so much to them as well. I think they were quite emotional yesterday. Um, you know, after the announcement, they went up to the golf club. I think they had it on in the golf club. Uh, so a lot of people came up to watch the announcement together. So, yeah, it's a special time. Absolutely. As I guess, you know, it's it's one of those weird experiences, the, the Solheim, isn't it? As you say, when you're playing against, you know, players that you play against week in, week out, but just in a completely different fashion. How does having played versus the likes of, and in the same fields as, you know, Daniel Kang and Jennifer Cupshow and so on, how does that help you prepare for for the Solheim does it take away any of the unknown or the is fear factor even the right word does it make you feel a bit more comfortable in that environment I think so I think having played with them you know week in week out seeing them every week and you know having some sort of relationship with them all I think it does help because it does you're not feeling intimidated by them at all and um, I think it will be different though I I don't think it'll be quite as friendly maybe as (laughs) week in week out Um, probably not as much chat um, I'm assuming um, you know when you're on when you're playing the matches um so it'll be interesting to see because obviously usually i'm you know quite chatty on the course so um i'll probably just you know chat to my teammate and my caddy the caddies as well so we'll see it'll be a new experience for me no doubt and what about the practical things like you know clothes for example have you gone through the whole fitting process in advance of all this or is that one of the things that happens between now and the match the the team uniforms yeah so they kind of, I guess, get a group of us together that maybe are potentially um, maybe going to be on the team a few months ago that, and our caddies as well to get all fitted in. So they've got all our measurements, which is quite nice. So we don't have to worry about that now. Um, but yeah, so we're all ready with, with all that. Um, haven't obviously got the kit yet, but um, I'm sure we'll get it when we get on site. That must be a buzz when you're getting into the uniform as well, like at that meetup. That, that just must make you want it even more. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be like a major Christmas presents all at once, I think, when you get the kit. <laughs> I remember even at university when we used to get our new kit for the year, it used to be so exciting, so I can't imagine what this is going to be like. <laughs> a different level completely. And finally, <laughs> it's been 24 hours now, as I say, since the, the announcement was made public. How has your phone coped with that? Have you had it on a permanent state of charge ever since to deal with all the messages coming in? Yeah, it's blown up, to be honest. I haven't... Uh, I've, haven't been able to reply to many. Um, just want to say, if anyone's listening to this, that message me. I'm really thankful for your message. I'm sorry if I haven't replied. But, <laughs> you, you've got um, a few things. Yeah. Got a few things to deal with. To be fair. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but it's been nice. It's obviously nice to get messages like that and see the support. Absolutely right. Well, look, Gemma, on behalf, as I say, of everyone here at Bunkered and listening to the the show, many congratulations once again on making your Solheim Cup debut. We're going to be watching closely, and very best of luck when it comes. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, huge congratulations to, to Gemma on making the team. And you can hear just how excited she is. Bryce, how funny is that, that she was at Glen Eagles watching Suzanne secure the winning point as a fan just... 
when is that four years ago and here she is now being captained by Suzanne in that very match yeah nice time funny how life goes full circle good for her good for her and obviously the Rose Ladies series played such a big part in in helping her get going in her pro career as well so we wish Gemma and the rest of the team all the very best it's going to be yet another exciting edition of the Solheim I dare say and I think we should do a a Solheim preview we've spoken about that a, a dedicated special Solheim Cup preview so listen out for that in the next few weeks right then Podder of Merit. Hmm. Last week, the BMW Championship, the second of the FedEx Cup playoff events. Bryce, you've got off to quite a good start. You were leading 2-0 in this season of Podder last week. Uh, You picked Max Homa for the BMW. Very shrewd choice. Props, etc. Tied for fifth. I picked Patrick Cantley, who, as we discussed last week, a bit of a FedEx Cup playoff specialist. Tied for 15th. The point is yours. As it stands, Bryce, nice. three. Nice. Michael, nil. Three, nil. It's a, it's a solid start. It's a very solid. That's your best start. Yeah, I like so, it. I like the way it looks on paper. <laughs> so the honour remains yours. And Thank you. as the Tour Championship this week, only 30 players to choose from at, where are we, East Lake in Atlanta, Georgia, the end of the PGA Tour season. Oh, we've got that weird staggered business as well, the staggered start with some starting on 10 under, then you've got 9 under and yeah, so on and so forth. Yeah, it, it, would, it would make sense to pick Scheffler because he's already 10 under. Three <laughs> uh, shot lead he's got over it's, Rory. It's just a, non- it's a nonsense. Isn't it? Uh, and it's interesting that the players this week have uh, started to make noises about that. I actually think, is it is there not... <laughs> has Xander Shoffley not technically won that two years in a row? I'm sure there was a couple of years ago. I'm sure he'd won that two years in a row. But obviously didn't because... He was he was playing against somebody who started like seven under before him, so it was a bit stupid. Oh yeah, he's been the best scorer. Yeah, at the tour. yeah he scored yeah, the you. best. Yep. He's played the best golf two years in a row. At, you know, he's like finished like twelve. Yeah, something like that. It's very yeah, stupid. Right. So it does make sense to to pick uh, Scheffler because he's so far back. But I think I need to play play clever, and I'm I'm going to go with Rory. Seven under, currently lying second before a ball. <laughs> it's just, it's absolute nonsense. No, I think he's third, he's third at Hovland, second and eight under, is he not? Oh, sorry, no, you're right. Yeah. You're right, yeah, Rory is. So, Sheffield at ten, Hovland at eight, Rory at seven. Yeah. So, I'm I'm going to have to play, I'm going to, I'm going to throw a wee Rory card in there. Try and get a 4-0 win. 4-0 Bowl lead. Or five, So, we'll move Cotton, but we'll see how it plays out. You could be 5-0 up this time next week, potentially. Yeah, true. So... Using your Rory card this early on? Yeah? Yeah. Okay. I'm establishing a lead. <laughs> Keeping the foot to my throat. Listen, I've got no option. Scotty Scheffler it is. Of course you do. Has to be. 10 under. He's got a two-shot advantage. He's got a three-shot advantage over Rory. If he doesn't win, I, th- I don't see him having a dreadful week. So, yeah, Scottish Shepherd's my man. I want the two points and I want to start to try and even this balance up a little bit. It's funny, if you look back at the bottom of the list of players who've made it, Sepp Straka, Emiliano Grillo are level par, as they should be. Sam Burns, level par. Tyrrell Hatton, level par. How do you, as a player, get up 
for that event, knowing that you are 10 shots off the lead before it's even started. Can you be motivated by that? I mean, I know there's a lot of money to be made and there's ranking points, but it's a good, do you go into this week and think, I've got it, a chance of winning? It is a good point. It, it's, I think it's completely stupid, but the, the reason that there's obviously reasons they've done it is because they don't want somebody who's not a star to win that tournament. It's exactly the same, which is absolutely bonkers, and it's exactly the same thing they had with the, the match play. That when they had the original WGC match play, and it was a proper match play. They threw 64 guys out there and said, right, match play. Uh, was world rankings up, you know, split out so everyone was in a decent space. And, like, all the star names went out in the first two rounds because they realised they have to play, like, five or six yeah. rounds of golf to win. <laughs> so Tiger's going home in, like, round two, and suddenly they've got, you know, I don't want to say the names because it was disrespectful at the time, but they... TV networks want Tiger in the final playing VJ, and they never got that mm -hmm. because the guys were getting knocked out. So then they had this crazy, let's have a match play tournament with like Champions League format. <laughs> that's just stupid because they're just trying to keep them in. However, as we've gone, I really like the I really like the WGC match play the way it is now. The, the round robin stages. Yeah, yeah. I, I still like it. I still, you know, you win once, whatever. I think it's quite an interesting watch. I think it's a good watch. But they had to tweak it because a match play format in golf with the best players in the world, and if you lose, you're out, it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make money. It's not what a sponsor's paying for. Look at the... Look at the Volvo one that happened. But remember when there was an HSBC, yeah, yeah. they were putting up... At, at the time, people were disgusted that the <laughs> winner was getting right. a million pounds. There was people writing in tabloids and a, a million pounds for absolutely disgusting. Golf has lost the plot. It's, it's everything we thought it was. Disgusting. Rich people only. What's the winner getting this week? This week? Oh, God. 20, 25 million or million. something like that. And 25 it's million. Up next year yeah. to 30. 25 million. And they were disgusted that someone's winning a million pounds. So I, and then it, they didn't get what they wanted in the yeah. final, and it just wasn't a great watch. So I understand why they're doing that. But these players are already here. They've qualified for the Tour Championship. It should be a Tour Championship. But they're then worried about someone winning the FedEx who's maybe had come strong at the end. But this is the consequence of throwing all this money at the mm. end. Eventually, it has to accumulate. And they don't want, whether they like it or not, <laughs> Monaghan does not want Brian Harmon winning the Tour Championship. <laughs> Brian. And he doesn't want Brian Harmon winning the Tour Championship and the FedEx because that doesn't sell. He wants Scotty Scheffler and he wants Rory McIlroy and John Ram and Tiger Woods. Mm hmm I think they also didn't like the fact that someone could win the Tour Championship, get all the, the plaudits and the 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 usual stuff that goes with winning a, a regular tournament on the PGA Tour, but then somebody different gets the FedEx Cup trophy. Yeah. They're kind of forgotten and pushed oh, to the no, side. Oh, no, we don't want that. That doesn't look good for the sponsor. Yes. And, I, and, it's, and it's, it is a bit... I understand why they do it, but it's wrong. Yeah. I have noticed that the players... This week have been pretty vocal about how they think that's a little bit. I don't yeah. really, and some of them don't understand it. There's that hilarious video on Twitter with Terrell Hatton, but someone explaining oh. to him. <laughs> <laughs> someone is ex some poor bastard. Terrell, there. you are actually in next week uh -huh. as it stands, and, and you're like, this is, this is just hilarious. the level of disinterest that uh, Terrell's got. It's it's like, I don't right. care. You know, it's so good. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, well, the Tour Championship, I'm sure it'll be a fun watch regardless. Brian Harmon, to your point, Bryce, starts at four under par. 
and is is six shots off the current lead. Oh well. Right, before we get to Honesty Box, let's go back to this quiz that I sent you before the break. 12 players since World War II, 12 different players since World War II, whose surname starts with W, have won a men's major championship. I gave you Woozy. This is obviously an honour of Woozy being our guest last week, so I gave you him. You had 11 to get. How did we get on? Not great, Michael. I got three. Okay. I genuinely uh, had a... um, I didn't uh, give you a huge amount of time. Let's let's, let's be fair. And let's be honest, it's a pretty hard quiz. You say that now, wait till you hear the answers. Go for it. (laughs) Tell tell me who you got. I got the two Watsons and Woods. Yep. So Bubba, Watson, Tom Watson, Tiger Woods. Let me give you the, the ones that I didn't expect you to get first and foremost. Have you ever heard of Lou Warsham? Oh, for fuck's sake. He is. I mean, come he, on. He was the 1947 US Open champ, just qualified for the answers. Then you've got. Oh, Ar- hold on. Oh, hold on. Uh oh, there's a bit of uh, inspiration coming. Who's the guy? Oh. American. Oh, I can't remember. What event are you thinking? The Open. Yes. Uh, 50s and 60s. 73. All right, maybe not. So the other difficult one is Art Wall Jr., who won the Masters in 59. Oh, yeah, I would have got that. 1973 Open champion. So 50 years ago this year, and he was in an Open preview. Tom Weisskopf. Weisskopf. Brilliant. 1977 PGA champion. He's been in the news in the past week or so for comments he made about Phil Mickelson. He was Phil's first Ryder Cup captain in 1995. Was on the Golf Channel and I think he said that I don't know that there's been a more disappointing person in the history of golf than Phil Mickelson. Lanny Wadkins. Wadkins? I was thinking Larry Mize knew there was a... Yeah, yes, there was. Yes, the Larry Mize is dirty. But Mize is upside down. It's a W upside down, so... (laughs) Right, now we're getting to this century. I'm never going to get it. I'm just... 2003 Masters. Canadian. Mike Weir. Brilliant. Oh, you're going to kick yourself on this one. The first Masters you ever attended. Danny Willett. 2016. The same year, later that year, I've played golf with him. Scottish Open Pro-Am. He's played Ryder Cup. And he won the PGA at Baltusrol. People forget him, though, because that PGA was shunted up in the calendar to just after the Open to make way for the Olympics. Jimmy Walker. Walker. Jimmy Walker. And the most recent of all... Is he playing golf anymore? You know what? I don't think he is. Jimmy Walker. He's played a bit, but he he had Lyme disease. Yeah, So, nice guy, by the way. I actually enjoyed that round with him. And the most recent of them all, the 2019 US Open champion... At Pebble Beach. Gary Woodland. <laughs> Gary Woodland. That's, that's a ridiculously hard quiz. <laughs> Says the man who was Tell the one what, quiz that you sent I'll me. I'll do you a quiz. Go for it, because the one quiz you've done for me so far, one of the questions was, what is Rory McIlroy's middle name? I know, because it was too easy. <laughs> for a Rory fan, that's, I know, that's easy. Right, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, next week you bring the quiz right, I'll, action. I'll do a quiz. Stuff you. <laughs> Right, honesty box, let's finish up there. 
What did Tommy Horton eat for <laughs> breakfast in 1934? <laughs> what did he eat? <laughs> Who was the lawyer from when Bobby Jones signed the contract <laughs> for Augusta National? <laughs> this is... <laughs> This is hopefully an easier question. What was Bobby Jones' inside leg measurement for his... Blah, 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 blah. Anyway. Now you're just going mental. Yeah, yeah. What is the most random thing you have ever found on a golf course? Because you, Bryce, you have played more rounds of golf than most people have had hot dinners. That is uh, completely untrue. It's a slight exaggeration. But you've also travelled a bit. You've played a lot of different golf courses. You've played in different countries. You must have seen some weird shit in your time. I've seen some weird shit, but not. At, I'm not answering your question, but technically not on the golf course. I did play golf in Vegas. I went on a, a stag do in Vegas. Yes, I went on a stag do in Vegas. And we played golf. I can't actually remember the golf course we went to. I don't know it wasn't it was Shadow called. Creek, no. <laughs> we did go to the win. Did so we you? escaped out the back door at the win. We had breakfast with who's the wee uh, who's the wee English footballer that played for Chelsea and West Ham? Dennis Wise? No. Jody Morris? No, played for England. He was Silky player. Played for Chelsea and Joe? Joe Cole. Joe Cole. Saw Joe Cole having his breakfast and then we we managed to sneak out the back door and go onto the, the property at the win. I think one of the greens was yeah. there and it looked amazing. So Shadow Creek backs onto the wind. Is, is that, that right? right? I, oh, I think it does. Right. Well, that's the closest I got to it. And we Jeez. got kicked out. The security went mental. We played in Vegas and then we got to a green where there was music playing and there was a guy in his back garden playing hip hop and dancing in his back garden. I couldn't concentrate. <laughs> Sorry, what? It was absolutely wild. And one of my mates was dancing and stuff. It was, it was wild and no one had the guts to tell me to turn his music down. But I think the most random thing I've ever seen is anyone's played golf course at Mogai Golf Course and Hilton Park. There's a road that splits the two courses and it goes up into the back of Mugduck Country Park. So this is in the north of Glasgow? Yeah, yeah. So we're playing, I think it's the... One, but two, you're three. not allowed to say Mulgai's North Glasgow, are you? Because Mulgai doesn't like its association to Glasgow. Is that right? Well, you're from there, you know. I, th I thought that was... Uh, was it, have I got this wrong? I thought that was a thing that Mulgai's like, we're a separate place. No, I don't Gla think Gla so. Glasgow's Glasgow and we're Mulgai. Leave us alone. No, I don't think so. It is the north of Glasgow. But they do speak like this, don't they? <laughs> Very much like that. <laughs> so we're playing Mulgai golf course. <laughs> and there's an intersection of the, <laughs> after the seventh tee. And uh, I think there's a blind hole, whatever. And one of my pals hit this shot. And it was a, a bit of a slice. And it... It hit a car on that road. Oh, yes. I know exactly where you are. And the guy got out the car, the car and was going mental, right? Like shouting and screaming. And in the back of his car, he had a prized falcon in the back of his car. And this thing's... What? <laughs> this thing's flapping about and he's going, oh, you've hit my... You've, you've hit my falcon. And one of them was like, you're falcon joking. And it was like, absolutely. <laughs> we were ending ourselves. And I think... Pal that hit the car just basically stone cold denied that he'd hit the car. He was like, no, I didn't hit anything. So right, this, this Falcon that's in the back of the car, yeah. by the way, I, can I just say, I don't think the guy's got any right to be going mental because you're driving your car through a golf course. Yeah, so. but I'm sure there is some sort of stupid lobbing and car insurance that you probably would be in bother, but he just denied it. That's, I mean, yeah, but it's not front day, up or not, but it's like, you're, you've got to expect a stray golf ball might hit your car. So why would you be that <laughs> Well, to off? be fair, I have driven up Clover Road a thousand times in my life next to Clover Golf Course, which is where Sandy Lyle started in the game. And knowledge. Not, a, I've never once ever 
seen a golf ball land on that road in my entire life. Really? Ever. That's because I've not played it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but to that to that point, so the guy that's raging, you say there's a falcon in the back of his car. So is this falcon alive or dead? Oh, no, it's alive. It just hit the car, but he had it in a cage and, and we were all <laughs> killing ourselves laughing. What? This thing, and it was flapping about, as far as I remember, this is years ago. <laughs> and he was going utterly apoplectic at us for hitting us, <laughs> supposedly hitting us bird. But that was... Yeah, that was a long time ago. That's the weirdest thing I've, I've seen. I've never, I, I mean, the question was, what is the most random thing you've ever seen in a golf course? I mean, that comes pretty close. A falcon in a cage in the back of a yeah, car going, never... what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. What kind of falcon? A kestrel? A peregrine I falcon? A golden eagle? I have no idea. No idea. There you go. <laughs> that is, that is a bit strange. So I once—I don't want to say which golf course this was because they're quite proud of their wildlife. But I once saw a dead sheep in the middle of a fairway. <laughs> a dead sheep in the middle of the yeah, fairway. It was early in the morning, and sheep are not necessarily allowed to roam in this golf course. But they're the next door neighbours. Of course, they're going to wander in every every so often. And this one was like, and have you ever seen a dead sheep? Yes, because like they lie on their backs. Correct. Mm -hmm. So walking up the fairway. Is there not a story that if you see a dead, if I see a sheep like that, they're not always dead? Like you're meant to go and warn the farmer and like try and push it <laughs> I over. You say, go up and check. And it's like, Hello, mate. Oh, mate. Are, you, are you okay? <laughs> Let me tickle your tummy. But they're not always meant to be dead. But if you see oh, them really? like that, yes, apparently. Google it. There was a story. Was there not a story on BBC News last year about if you see a sheep kicking about like this, if it might be pregnant? So it might be lying on its back and it's stuck. But I remember I remember driving <laughs> I remember driving past Hilton Park Golf Course. This is it last year and there was a sheep with its legs in the air and you drive past you like that's hilarious. And then I drove home at night and it was still there. This is dead. It's dead. Presumably, yeah, so that's what I saw. This sheep yeah, lying on its really back. tired. <laughs> Strange way to sleep. I'm gonna try that tonight. Don't. All limbs in the air. But yeah, it was lying on its back, all four legs in the air. It wasn't moving and now i feel bad because maybe it was alive but i just assumed me and my mates just assumed it was dead and off we wandered past it we didn't obviously strike i don't think we struck yeah. it with the golf. maybe I we mean, struck it with a golf ball and that's what killed it <laughs> i'm actually now having like horrible flashbacks sheep killer maybe there, there's those courses in florida i mean I, i've been I, called worse coming from have florida. i ever played golf in florida I, have you played golf in florida yeah yeah Yep. I've never played. I Terrifying. Think, yes, I've never played that. So I'm not a big fan of alligators. But <laughs> some of those courses in Florida, they, they tell you there's gators on like the yeah. 12th and stuff. And that would freak me out. Yeah, I played. Those things come on. There's a famous gator. They've got a name for it and it crosses the fairway. Yes, I know the one you mean. This thing is, is bigger than this room. It's like the rock. What? It's like the rock. It's bigger than the rock. Is it? Have you ever seen a, a proper gator up real? You ever been to Gatorland in Florida? I can't say I have. I have been to Gatorland in Florida, and I swear on my son's life, I am not wait, making this up. Me and the wife went to Gatorland, went in the car park. It's a dump, right? But it's called Gatorland, so you think it's going to be hilarious. You walk in, and as you walk in, that you can see into Gatorland and the, like the lakes and stuff, and. And I looked over and I saw this huge, this thing was enormous and I just burst out laughing as I look at that. They get like fake gators over there, like to try. 
it wasn't fake. It was real. It moved. Oh my this God. thing was the biggest thing I've ever seen in my life. I was like, oh my God. It was enormous. Like its head was the size of a Nissan Micra. <laughs> <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. And you go about Gatorland, you think, I'll go into Gatorland, it'll be a good laugh. It's not, it's terrifying. And you couldn't wait to leave. And you really? go in, you're just checking under your car and things like that. It's, yeah. it's bonkers. Like, imagine playing in Florida. Like, you wouldn't... Well, I've seen a way. gator in Florida when I've been playing golf. Oh, yeah. But put it this way, I'm, I'm going to let my wee boy go up in the wintertime and go and play golf with these pals at Balfron. Mm -hmm. They want to go and play golf themselves. I'm going to let them go. Would you let your kid go and play golf in Florida? Not a chance. Not only if you hated your kid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, I think it was, I'm trying to remember the name, it's Creek, something Creek. I can't remember if it's Eagle Creek or Shingle Creek. Why are, are we need to do a whole podcast on awesome course names. Oh yeah, Predator Ridge one. Predator, that, Predator Ridge. Yeah. Snake Mountain. Oh, Just brilliant. Exactly. But yeah, I, I was playing, I'm sure it was there, and as you can imagine, it's Florida, there's lakes everywhere oversized puddles and we were in a buggy as you should be driving along and there was just this thing like you could just see about this isn't great for audio but you could see about that much <laughs> 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 just about that much price yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so just this little thing bobbing above the surface of the water and i just assumed it was like a plank of wood and then it gets higher and higher yeah, and you yeah, realize yeah. It's scary. That's a gator. Yeah. I'm not as bothered by them as I am by snakes. That's, we've discussed it before, I can't cope with that. And when I played in Florida, I think I've played there about maybe a dozen, just under a dozen times. Have you really? Mm hmm Yeah. Celebration, uh, Marriott Grand Pines. Celebration, one with the town, where it's all the looks Disney the same. Town, looks yeah. like something, yeah. It's Walt Disney cool built it, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Well, he didn't build the golf course, because I don't think he could get a I don't think he was golf. into course design, was he? No, no. It was, a, it was a Mickey Mouse golf course, I seem to recall, but... Some of your some of your jokes on this podcast episode have been shocking. Honestly, I'm really, tickled really by bad. that. Really bad. Joking aside, Dad Celebration jokes. Golf Course is one of the most fun golf courses I've ever played. Yeah. But yeah, any time that I've played in Florida, I've always had a buggy because it's hot and... And you're lazy. Yeah. I've always been paranoid that a snake has wrapped its way around the wheels. Jesus Christ. If it has, it's dead because you've driven it. Or, well, like when I parked it and I've gone to the green, it, it's maybe under the buggy or something. It just, it's never been a, genuinely, I don't enjoy the experience of playing in Florida for that reason. Do you worry about snakes in a plane? No. Because <laughs> you tend not to go on. No. I've never seen that movie. I'm never going to see that yeah, movie. Probably. But, anyway. uh, yeah. Let's leave it there, shall we, Mr. Ritchie? Thank you for your time. I'm already excited about the, the quiz next week. I've got a feeling, I can, there's a twinkle in your eye right now that says, I'm going to ruin his day. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That's it. Until next week, ladies and gents, thank you very much for listening. Thank you to Callaway for their support. Thank you to Gemma Driver as well for, for jumping on the call. Much appreciated indeed. We'll be back this time next week. Until then, bye-bye for now.